good morning and welcome to another episode of Business and Legal Q&A Live. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today is May 12, 2015, and we have a legal and business question today. Today's legal question deals with hiring a home improvement contractor, what you need to know before you hire one in a legal sense. And the business question, which is also business and legal, believe it or not, today, is uh, what happens when your LLC is sued? And in particular, we have an individual who appeared in court on behalf of her LLC only to be um, refused the opportunity or, or not allowed the opportunity to speak before the court. We're going to get to that today. Before we get into today's questions, I want to thank everybody, first of all, for subscribing to the podcast, subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, we are streaming live on YouTube right now for those of you who are either downloading this later or listening on the podcast, you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, these videos are always posted after the live broadcast as well, so if you missed it or if you are listening to this podcast at a later time, you can always go to YouTube and check out the video. also want to thank everybody for their continued uh, submission of questions. Without the questions, we wouldn't be able to do show like Business and Legal Q&A Live. It's your questions that feed this uh, this program. So thank you for that. I want to remind you to take advantage of the new tab, the new page on utlradio.com, where you can ask your question through your voice. You can record your voice directly to your computer, and your question will be recorded, saved, and then we can play your question online. Now, I know a lot of people have been hesitant to do that, We've received a lot of feedback, and a lot of people feel more comfortable either calling in with their question or submitting it via email or posting it on YouTube in the comments. But it, it, it's whatever works for you guys. It doesn't make a difference to me. We're getting the questions. We're able to answer the questions, whatever you feel more comfortable with. But <clears throat> if you'd like to give that a try and then have your question played on air, please feel free to do it. Check it out at utlradio.com. I also want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by the Law Offices of Peter J. Lamont and Associates Real Estate Practice Group. And this is actually um, pretty good. For those of you who might be buying or selling real estate in New Jersey this spring, the, practice, the Real Estate Practice Group is offering a special. This is from contract to closing. I mean, this is everything all wrapped up in one um, flat fee package. It's $750. Again, you need to be in New Jersey, you need to be buying or selling real estate, and you need a closing attorney. You are going to be able to lock in a $750 rate, which is extremely low. Now, this is only available to people who mention UTL Radio, and you must call 973-949-3770 on or before June 15th, 2015. So that's your window of opportunity between now and June 15th. If you are in New Jersey buying or selling real estate and want to lock in this spring special, only available to UTL radio listeners, $750 from contract to closing, you must call 973-949-3770 on or before June 15th, 2015. So thank you for uh, for sponsoring the show. All right, now let's get into <clears throat> our first question of the day. And this is a legal question. 
Um, obviously, spring's here, and one of the things that everybody likes to do in spring is go to the home centers, get a lot of plants, you know, redo your outside, make it look nice, plant grass seed, and there's also always a big uptick in the hiring of home improvement contractors because spring's the time that everybody seems to want to make repairs. You know, you're just coming off the winter, and now you realize your roof needs work or your bathroom needs to be gutted, whatever it might be. I want to talk for a little bit today about the importance of hiring a licensed home inspector. No, I'm sorry, home improvement contractor. I always go to home inspector because it's, you know, when I see licensed home inspector, um, there's just so many issues that arise out of that. If you listened to our show last week, you know what we talked about with respect to hiring a licensed home inspector when you're buying or selling real estate. But today's topic is about a home improvement contractor. So I apologize for misspeaking. All right, so let's talk about this for a second. Now, you need to hire somebody to make repairs. What should you be looking for in this person? Now, oftentimes when I ask this question to people, they say, oh, affordability, somebody that's not going to charge me an arm and a leg. And clearly that's important because home improvements are costly. I mean, the cost of, of, of home ownership is high. But when you need to go in and make significant repairs, redo a kitchen, redo a bathroom, you're looking at a lot of money. And clearly, you know, it is something that needs to fit into a budget. So, yes, budget and cost is important. But let's set that aside for a second because it's more than just cost. If you don't hire the right home improvement contractor, and by, by, by right, I mean licensed, insured, and we're going to get into that in a second, what could happen to you could be far worse than if you paid a little bit more money to get a proper contractor in in the first place. Because you can be hit with fines, municipal work stoppage. You could be uh, sued by neighbors. You could be in a lot of trouble because you tried to go absolute bottom of the barrel, cheapest person you could find. Okay, so let's talk for a second. Now I'm going to reference New Jersey law, but this 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 is something that's countrywide. Okay, because most every state, with the exception of a few, uh, like Texas, for example, you need to have a home improvement contractor's license if you're going to be making any home improvements. And, and home improvement is typically defined by a regulation or a statute within your particular state. But generally speaking, if you are making any improvements to a premises, and it can also be landscaping improvements, it doesn't necessarily need to be a room reno, uh, it could be landscaping, it could be anything from putting in new electrical uh, pot lights or drywall, or whatever the case may be, it doesn't need to be a massive construction project for it to be considered a home improvement. Now, if your state requires licensing, which most do, then you need to make sure, in order to protect yourself, that you are hiring a licensed home improvement contractor. So, I'm going to give you some let's call it a checklist of, of things that you should ask your contractor before you commit to hiring them, before you give them that deposit. All right, first of all, you need to make sure that they're licensed. And you just simply ask, 
are you a licensed home improvement contractor? And they should provide you with their license number. Now, it should also appear on their documents. Sometimes you'll see it on their trucks, but it should always be on a contract. Typically, upper right-hand corner or somewhere down in the footer, you're going to see their license number. It's often referred to as an HEC, Home Improvement Contractor, um, or License, or New York License, NJ License, whatever it might be. But you want to ask that. Okay, why do you want that? Well, first of all, that assures you that the state is aware that this person is a home improvement contractor. But more importantly, most states that require contractors to be licensed also require them to be insured up to a certain amount. It could be 500000 It could be a million dollars, depending upon your state. But why is that important? Why is licensing and insurance important? Well, I cannot tell you. I can't stress enough the importance of making sure your contractor is insured. And it's not enough to just say, are you insured? And have them tell you yes. If they're not licensed, then they may or may not be insured. If they are licensed and they can prove that their license is active, then you know that they have complied with the state regulations concerning insurance. If you hire somebody that does not have insurance and you need to sue them, you are going to be suing them personally. How do you know whether or not they have any money? They might be broke. Every dime that comes in, they may spend. And you're never going to get your money back. And if you're doing a major home repair, something upwards of $50,000, you have no recourse. There's no insurance money to go and, and dig into. So it's really important because... Yes, you can sue the contractor, but if they're not licensed and not insured, you might win, but are you going to collect any money? Probably not. And I think that a lot of home improvement contractors who are not licensed, the more fly-by-night guys, they know that. You know, they'll open up Ajax Home Improvements, you'll sue them, and then they'll close down that LLC, and they'll open up, you know, Beta Home Improvements the next day. And continue to work. And unfortunately, the way the legal system is, you know, for some reason, people that operate like that oftentimes continue to be successful. It blows my mind, but it's reality. You, the homeowner, are the one left holding the bag because now you've got a contractor who skipped out on the job, who did a poor job, and you want to sue them, but they've got no money, no insurance. Okay. You've seen these on your local news shows, these stories about contractors who have skipped out, who haven't complied with the terms of their agreement, who left somebody with their home in shambles. You've seen it. That guy, um, what was his name? Uh, Holmes. Mike Holmes, I think it was. He had a show on, I believe it was either HGTV, Homes on Homes, and he was a home inspector, and he'd go in and he'd look at what these contractors did and, and there was a whole show, seasons, multiple seasons, about contractors who went in and really just screwed over the homeowner. So, A and B, make sure, licensed home improvement contractor, make them show you the license number. And then you can go on to your state's home. You know, it, it's typically um, either the Department of Consumer Affairs 
or whatever your state calls your Consumer Affairs Bureau. And it's not, it's not a third party. I'm not talking about the Better Business Bureau. I'm talking about the state. The state has their own uh, website for consumer-related issues. And search the license number that the contract gave you. This takes minutes. This is not a week-long process. Get the license number. Search it on your state website and make sure they're active. If they're active, then you can be more confident that they have insurance. Now, you might also want to ask for a certificate of insurance from a home improvement contractor. In some states, like New Jersey, home improvement contractors are required to give you their certificate of insurance evidencing that they are covered. You know how many times that actually happens in New Jersey? I can probably count them on two hands. Contractors ignore this point all the time. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to make a copy of their certificate of insurance and give it to you. It's just not important. They're coming in to do a little job. They're not going to give you the insurance. That's not right. It doesn't comply with the regulations. It's theoretically a violation. Don't be afraid to ask for a copy of their certificate of insurance. There is no reason why a contractor would not be willing to give it to you. If they don't want to give it to you, well, that's a red flag. I'd say, well, why don't you want to give me your certificate of insurance? All it does is show me that you're covered. Why don't you want to give me your license number? Something's not right. So those red flags, those warnings should say to you, maybe I need to look somewhere else. Why are you not giving me this information? Okay, licensed and insured. Next, you want to make sure that you receive a contract that clearly spells out a few things. A, obviously the scope of work. What is the contractor going to do for you? What is the scope of work? Because you could have a verbal conversation with the contractor, and then you get a contract, and the scope of work is limited, and you're thinking to yourself, but I just talked to him about this, so I'm sure he's going to do it, even though he probably didn't want to write it all out in the scope of work on the contract. No. Make sure the scope of work explicitly states what you wanted the contractor to do. If it doesn't, ask him to change it, okay? Because your oral representation generally does not mean much when you have signed a written contract. Because if you look at written contracts, um, one of the clauses at the conclusion, typically the conclusion of the contract, is something that says this contract supersedes all others. This contract, you know, eliminates or, or you know, replaces all other agreements whether they're oral or written. And so if you've got a scope of work that does not explicitly and clearly state what it is that you wanted the contractor to do, then that contractor can go back and argue later on that it was not part of the scope of work. The other thing you want to look for is you want to make sure that the payment terms are spelled out very clearly for you. Oftentimes, the contractor will ask you for all the money up front. That's not allowed in every state. In some states, it's unlawful for a contractor 
to demand full payment unless they have completed the job. Now, you'll see progress payments in a lot of contractors' contracts, and that's a good thing. You know, they call it a retainage, when there's money left over that you don't have to pay until the job is completed. Um, sometimes it's 10%. So the contractor can, can ask you to pay X amount, and then 10% or 20% or 15%, whatever your state requires, is held over at the end until the job is completed, and then you have to pay them. Okay? Now, it's clearly acceptable for a contractor to ask you for money up front. It helps them to purchase the materials. It helps them to pay for some of the labor, and that's okay. But generally speaking, and if you've got a question about this, you should either contact an attorney in your state or look at the regulations within your state yourself and see if it's unlawful for the contractor to demand full payment. In New Jersey, for example, it is. They cannot ask for full payment until the job is complete. They can ask for progress payments, but not the full amount. So make sure your contract states and spells out in a way that is agreeable to you what you need to pay the contractor and when. All right, now, another item that should be in the contract is a start date and an estimated completion date. You do not want to leave this open-ended. In fact, in some states like New Jersey, the regulations require that a home improvement contract contain a start date and estimated end date. They don't want to leave it open-ended where construction will begin on May 15th and God knows when it will conclude. That's not good. That's not what consumers want and that's not what the states want either because they don't want to leave residents hanging when you've got a contractor who decides they're not going to come back or it could take two years or three years because that's clearly unreasonable. So you want to have a start date and an estimated end date and you want to be able to communicate during the course of the construction project with your contractor and find out where are you in the project? Where are you in the process? What's the timeline? Can we update it? Okay. So those are some things you need to see in the contract. In addition, some states, like New Jersey, they make it mandatory for a three-day right of rescission to be built into a home improvement contract. Three days to decide whether or not you want to continue with the contract. After those three days, then the contract is considered in full force and effect, but prior to that, you've got a three-day right of rescission period. Not every state requires it. Not every state needs it. But New Jersey and some other states, they absolutely do. So you want to check that, too, and make sure that that's in there. If any of the requirements are not in the contractor's contract, that should be a red flag. Because that says, hmm, maybe this contractor isn't really up on the law, and if they're not up on the law, with regards to what they do, right? we're not talking about do they know about you know, the recent lawsuit that happened between this company and that company. I don't care about that. I care about whether or not they know what they're doing. Just this morning, uh, you know, I was driving to work, and I saw a landscape truck. A landscape, it was a, a landscape um, architect and designer, and, and more than just, obviously, somebody who's going to cut the grass. They're going to lay out your design. And I saw the license number posted visibly on the door of their truck. And I said to myself, you know what? 
How many landscapers have driven by who do not have a license number on the truck? And then, out of curiosity, you know, I went through some of the ones that I'm familiar with in my local area this morning, and of course, they're not licensed. Now, you could say you're a landscaper. What kind of home improvement contractor's license do you need? Look at the state, because the state requires that you have a contractor's license if you're going to be doing certain activities, which can include landscape work. So when I saw that truck drive by me this morning with a license number on it, I thought, wow, pretty good. They know what they're doing. If they know what they're doing and they're complying with the regulations, then I would feel more comfortable choosing somebody like them over somebody that does not have a license. Okay, so be aware of that. That's important to know. Now, I want to talk for a second about websites where you can find a contractor. And there's a ton of them out there. There's Angie's List. I think Amazon is now running something where you can choose a contractor. Um, there's something called Thumbtack. Now, I've used some of these services, and some of them are pretty good. In fact, I used a service uh, through through Thumbtack where I needed somebody to uh, put in an, an attic door. And the contractor who I hired came to the house with his contract, with his license number. Everything was by the book. It was a really wonderful experience. It was a good thing. Now, I've also had contractors through sites like that who come in and don't have any of that. And then, of course, they don't work in my house. So just because you're getting them through somebody like Angie's List or, or Thumbtack or another site where you think, well, they wouldn't be on this site. I think Service Master is another one. Uh, they wouldn't be on this site if they didn't have this information. Not true. Another issue is sites that say that they screen and background check the contractors that they have listed. Okay, I don't trust that. I still want to see your number and know if you've got insurance. I don't care what some third party tells me. That's a, a sales tactic. It's a sales gimmick. We background check all of our contracts. Well, for what? Do you do asset searches to determine whether or not they've filed bankruptcy? They've got all sorts of monetary or, or financial issues where they might steal from you? Do you do criminal checks? Well, in what states do you do criminal checks? What else do you do with these background checks? You know, What do you do with them? What are they limited to? So I don't trust that. You have to do your own due diligence in this day and age. So the sales gimmick that, oh, we screen everybody, okay, that's nice, but don't fall for it. You know, in fact, there's been, uh, this is obviously has nothing to do with home improvement contractors, but there's been a number of cases recently where used car dealerships are telling you that the Carfax, check out. You know, Carfax is that, that third-party service. Carfax is good, checks out. And they certify that there's no problem, not a used car, or not a rental car, I should say. They are used cars. Only to find out later that when you run your own Carfax, sure enough, it was a rental car. Now, you believe them when you're there because they say, yes, we ran the Carfax and there's no issues. Okay, and you know, says, well, show me the Carfax, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't because you want to trust people. I think that, you know, it's some sort of innate 
desire to trust people. You know, you find somebody that you like that's not the typical used car salesman, if you will, somebody that's friendly and likable and you want to believe them and they tell you everything is okay, but you don't check it yourself. Same thing with the contractor. Make sure, regardless of who is telling you, that they are perfect. Okay? That's really important. Now, the other issue I want to touch on is, remember we talked at the top of the show about what's the most important thing, and a lot of people say value with respect to contractors. Well, I'm going to say that the most important thing is that they comply with the law and their experience level. Those are the things that I can, I'm concerned about. What is your experience doing this project? If it's a bathroom or kitchen, or what's your experience with this? Are you a general contractor that, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none? Because I might not want that, especially if I'm going to be using somebody for more of a specialty issue, cabinet refinishing or something like that. I want to know that, and then I want to know your license, and I want to make sure that you're insured. That's what makes a good contractor you know, for me, that's what's important. Yes, price too, okay? Because, you know, money doesn't grow on trees for anybody unless you're, you know, the elite. But it's not easy to afford home repairs. But at the same time, if you opt for somebody who's going to take cash, who doesn't have a license, then you've got to be aware, right? Buyer beware, caveat emptor. If you pay cash and there's no license and no contract, you have no recourse. If the town were to come in and say that you have no permit and they, they are going to fine you, you don't have any recourse against that contractor. You could ask him to pay the fine. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll say no. Maybe you'll never see him again. You've got to be aware of that, okay, because I know that, um, especially back in like my parents' day and age, oh, you know, you take cash and then you don't pay tax and all that stuff, and that still happens from time to time, but I don't think as much especially with the ability for people to take credit card payments over their mobile phone and that sort of thing. Um, but just be aware, that if you do that, if you find someone who is looking for cash and they're not going to pay you, you know, charge you sales tax, and they don't have a contract, they don't, you know, just be aware of what you're getting yourself into. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying be aware of the consequences because you've got very limited legal recourse if something were to happen. All right, that's going to conclude my discussion on the idea of hiring a home improvement contractor to do your spring home repairs. Now let's move into our business question, which has a legal flavor to it. Sometimes our business questions are just pure business, but this one's got a little bit of a legal overtone to it. So here's the question. My LLC was sued, and so I went to court to argue my position. The judge wouldn't hear my argument, and even though I was there on behalf of the company, he found in favor of the customer. Why the judge do this? Was my due process rights violated? Okay, that's a good question. So, you've got somebody who is uh, representing the LLC. I'm assuming here that she says it was my LLC, so she's the owner. And she gets sued, and she goes to court to argue she doesn't say what it is. Maybe it's a motion or a motion to dismiss, something like that. And the judge does not want to hear from her. He won't let her speak and then finds in favor of the customer, the plaintiff in this case. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. It's very, very simple. 
most states will not permit a business entity of any sort, an LLC, a corporation, you know, a partnership, they will not permit you as an individual to represent that company. You need a lawyer. Okay, so check the law in your state. But I'll give you the law, for example, in New Jersey. An LLC cannot represent itself, meaning you cannot have a member go and appear on behalf of the LLC, which is what happened in this question here. So this, this owner of the LLC was sued. She did not get a lawyer. She went pro se to argue it on her own. She went as her own attorney. And while you can represent yourself pro se uh, in matters where you're being sued or if you want to sue somebody, you can do that as an individual. But if you are an LLC or another business entity, you need to have an attorney. You can say it's not fair, and it might not be, but that's, that's just the way it is. You know, the courts will not even acknowledge you if you go there without an attorney. Now, this judge should have explained to the owner of the LLC, hey, listen, I, I cannot speak with you, or I can speak with you, but I'm not going to entertain your argument because you need an attorney to represent yourself. Some judges will be lenient and say, listen, you know, Miss So-and-so, I understand you're here on, on behalf of the LLC. I understand you're a, an owner. It's a single-member LLC. I'm going to adjourn this hearing because if you want to oppose it, you need to have an attorney present. But judges aren't obligated to do that. And there are some judges that just will abide by the black letter of the law, and it is what it is. And, you know, you could say it's unfair because I'm pro se. And I hear that all the time. I'm pro se. I think the court should be more lenient with me. I'm pro se. I think that I should get an additional extension. I'm pro se. I think that they should be a little more clear with what I need to do. I'm pro se. When I call, the clerk should be able to tell me how to write the motion. All these things I hear all the time. You will find the occasional judge who will coddle a pro se litigant. But generally speaking, you will find more judges than not who will say, you chose to represent yourself, and I'm going to treat you as an attorney. You didn't comply with the court rule. You didn't provide discovery in a timely fashion. Okay, I'm striking your answer. I'm striking your complaint, whatever it might be. In a case like this, understand, if you are a business owner, an LLC, a corporation, some corporate business, some structured business entity, you cannot represent your company. You cannot represent yourself. You need to have an attorney to represent you. Okay? That's what happened here. So the judge found in favor of the customer, not necessarily on the merits, but simply because the judge viewed this motion as being unopposed because that, that business owner... The owner of the LLC could not, she didn't have standing, she was not permitted to either file anything or to argue on behalf of the LLC. If she had had an attorney, maybe it would have been different because with an attorney, now the judge is forced to look at the merits of the argument versus a procedural issue where procedurally, you don't have an attorney, I can't hear from you. Now, one thing I want to point out is that 
and this is where people say it's unfair. And I'm going to go back with you, go back at you, and say the legal system is not fair. If you're looking for justice, you're not going to find it here. This is the best that we have, the best we can do, but it is not going to give you justice. Okay? You could say to me, well, how is it fair that the customer can sue me, my LLC, without a lawyer, but I need to go and pay for a lawyer? How is that fair? And more importantly, what happens if this crazed, belligerent, angry consumer sued me simply because they don't like me. They don't really have merit. And it costs them, let's say it costs them $50 to file a complaint in the lower court. And now here you are in a court that has, you know, let's say it's it's a monetary limit or or maximum of 15,000. So they're in the equivalent in New Jersey of the special civil part where they're looking for an amount less than 15000 And let's say that their complaint is, I don't know, $1,000, $1,500. Well, let's make it something a little bit more where you wouldn't just shell out the money to pay them. Let's say it's five grand. So they're seeking five grand from you. But you know that the customer is just angry at you. They don't like you for something. But you didn't really do anything wrong. You, they just are angry you can't please them. You've bent over backwards to help them, and they just aren't happy. They hate you. So they sue you. It costs them $50 and a little bit of their time, and now you've got to hire an attorney. How is that fair? Well, it's not, but it's what you have to do. Now you want to expand upon the unfairness of this whole thing? Let's say that you hire an attorney, and the attorney is charging you $400 an hour, $300 an hour, whatever it is, whatever the going rate in your area is for a qualified attorney. And let's say that you file a motion to dismiss, but it has now taken the attorney, I don't know, five, six hours. And you are into that attorney for, I don't know, $1,200, $1,500. But you file the motion to dismiss and you win you win. You knock out the plaintiff's case right on that motion to dismiss. But you just spent $1,500. Can you get your money back from the, from the customer? Can you get your attorney's fees back? And the answer is no. Only in rare circumstances are you entitled to recoup your attorney's fees. In situations like the one that I described, in most states you are not permitted to get your attorney's fees back. It's not every state, but the majority of them. So that goes back to this idea that anybody can sue anybody for anything so long as they have a good faith basis to file the complaint. And you, the defendant, are often the ones that get screwed because you still have to hire an attorney to represent you and you cannot recoup your attorney's fees. So in answer to this question that was asked, the reason that the judge didn't hear from you is because you didn't have an attorney. And then the second part of the question, were my due process rights violated? No, because the statute, the rules say that you need to have an attorney represent your LLC. So even though you didn't have an opportunity to speak, the fact that you didn't comply with the requirements, the rules that require an attorney to represent an LLC, 
That doesn't mean it's a, a constitutional or due process violation. It's not. You should have known to bring an attorney. All right, that's it's it's cruel and and you know that's what happens. So what would I I say to you now? Go get an attorney. Don't continue on in the case and making make more and more mistakes without an attorney. And it's it's tough. I know it's hard sometimes. You know, you have a small business and you don't have the money to afford an attorney, or you don't want to hire an attorney, or you're just as smart as the attorney that you know. You know, but the fact is you're going to need to hire somebody or you're going to need to go out of business or settle with them, you know? And I think oftentimes customers know that they can put you through the ringer and they know enough because, you know, all this information is available online. Uh, I mean, they can just listen to a program like this, right, if they're a a customer and say, hey, you know, I I don't really need to do much except to have a good faith basis and I can really stick this guy with a big legal bill. Um. But there's not much you can do about it. It's the cost of doing business, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because, you know, and, and I'll, you know, I'll try to, to, to stay away from the rant on how small businesses are treated in this country, but I'll just say this. Small businesses in this country fail because there is not enough support for small business. You could have Small Business Saturday and all that other crap out there, and it's great. But you know what? There's not enough support for small business. It is big box business that succeeds. It's big company, big money, big lobbyists. That's who succeed. Sure, you can make yourself a decent living if you're a small business, but where are the people to support the small business owner? Not there. Not there. There's some government programs, there's some funding, but it's not enough. And that's why when you drive through your town, you'll see a store that opened up, it's there for a few years, and then it's gone. You know, look through any of your small towns. And if, you know, you're in towns like what we have here in in northern New Jersey, you'll see a yogurt place open up, it's great, two years later they're gone. Chocolate place, open up, it's gone. Hair salon, open up, it's gone. Why? Because there's not enough support. You know, these people who open up these businesses, they've got dreams, they have desires, they open them up, and then something happens. And you want to know what generally is the something that happens? Oftentimes, obviously, it's the fact that for whatever reason, the business and the location just don't jive, they don't work together, and you don't have that customer flow. Okay, that's obvious. But one of the main reasons why people go out of business is because they are fined or sued and they don't have adequate protection up front because they didn't take the time to put some money in on the front end to making sure that they were properly incorporated or registered as an LLC, that they had insurance, that they did things properly, that they took care of their premises in a way that wouldn't make it dangerous for um, customers or, or, or pedestrians. All of these things, this risk management idea, goes out the window when small businesses are starting a company, typically because they don't have the money to spend on it, and most people will view hiring an attorney as an unnecessary expense because you've got LegalZoom, you've got all these online sites and, and available information. And it's true. For some things, sites like that are fine. But if you're owning a business and you're opening up a business, this is going to be your future, not a hobby. 
You need to invest in your future, and you need to hire somebody to help you get set so that you are free and clear later on. You know, if you are organized properly, if you set up properly, have the right insurance, have some risk management up front, you are going to save yourself a tremendous amount of money aggravation, and you generally will double or triple the success rate that you have and avoid that fear of going out of business for something like a disgruntled customer. So, all right, enough with my rant. That is going to do it for today's show. I hope that this was informative and educational. I want to thank you for submitting your questions and, again, for continuing to submit them. We try to get through as many questions as possible and um, have been expanding the show and adding additional days so we can get to those questions. But keep them coming. I look forward to them. And um, all of the people that have commented about the responses being helpful, I really appreciate it. I read every comment, and I try to respond to every comment. I cannot tell you how appreciative I am. I thank you for it and for continuing to be listeners or viewers of the show. I do this for you, and it, it just really makes me feel great to know that you guys out there appreciate it. So thank you very much. I also want to remind you to go to utlradio.com and check out that Ask Your Question page. There's also links to download the free app where you can ask questions. The app also has show schedules and upcoming events and additional legal information like statutes of limitations in New York, New Jersey, and elsewhere. So check that out. Um, We will be back later on in the week. I believe we might even be on tomorrow with uh, some interviews and additional business and legal questions that we're going to answer. So stay tuned for that. Kind of an impromptu week because we're juggling some scheduling issues with respect to some guests. Um, so we're going to you know, probably just be popping up uh, these shows this week. So just stay, stay um, informed. Check out the app. Check out the schedule on YouTube or on Blog Talk Radio and make sure that you tune in. Obviously, if you've subscribed on iTunes, you're going to get notification or on YouTube, a notification of the upcoming show, and then you'll get the uh, the download of the completed video. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you again. I look forward to being with you next time and answering more of your business and legal questions. Remember that there's power in understanding the law. It's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's has the fixtures and the savings to get the job done right. Working on a big bath project? 
Now you can get up to 35% off select bath faucets, and you can even save up to 20% on select toilets. Plus, order what you need online and pick it up in-store. See Lowe'sForPros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 3-1 while supplies last. Selection varies by location, U.S. only.